The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, High Echelon PC, and Elemental Altitude Training Center. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor and the father of twin boys. And I'm Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. 
the father to three baby adults and the husband to a beautiful ultra marathon <laughs> running wife, Melissa. And you are an ultra marathoner yourself because that is, after all, what we're going to be focusing on here today, right? Once again, you are finishing the Doggettville 12 hour race. Uh, that is correct. That is correct. Very good. Very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about your history with this because I know that you've done it before. Um, when did you first do this race? How did it first come upon your radar and all that sort of thing? I really appreciate you asking me that because the transition from that race to this race um, mm -hmm. is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. And in both, both for me and, and then for my daughter, Grace. Um, you mean like from the first her. time you did it until this year's? Yes. Okay. Yes. From the first time we did it. So the first time we ran Doggettville was in 2019. And this was when Grace was a junior in high school and my son was a senior. And there's a piece of this story that uh, plays into that. But Grace had started running ultras. Um, she got interested in them because of our Blue Ridge Relay team. Um, she really, and she really enjoyed when I came back from the Blue Ridge Relay the first time, um, asking me to go for a run, you know, that mm -hmm. Sunday night, right? Hey, let's go for a run. Cause I told her early in our running together, anytime you ask me to go for a run, I'm going to run with you and any race, like new race distance you do, I'm going to run that race with you. Mm -hmm. So, so it was 2019. So we ran Peyton's together and then we might've run something else between Peyton's and Doggettville, but she was in school and then there was a summer and we were looking for something like a 50 miler. She had been successful in a 50 K. We were trying to work up to, you know, a 24 hour race maybe, or a hundred miler. So we're looking for something in the middle. And we found this race, the Doggettville 12 hour and ultra and relay. They do a relay version also. Okay. And it was only an hour and a half from the house. It's on this guy's farm. It's a one mile loop and you go for 12 hours, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And in contacting him, he, uh, John Doggett, so it's Doggettville is named after the family, the farm, uh, but it's named after the family farm. And John Doggett was just the nicest guy. He, he runs a crew called Lost Running. They do three or four races throughout the year. And he basically said, this is the perfect race for some, someone's first 12 hour race. Mm -hmm. So we said, all right, this is what we're going to do. Got it on the calendar. Now, now is, is it a coincidence that it was a week after the Blue Ridge Relay? So so that year, 2019, it was actually two weeks after the Blue Ridge Relay. <laughs> a full two and weeks. <laughs> it was a full two weeks. Well, you say that. We just did a race report for you where you ran Berlin two True. weeks after Blue Ridge True. Relay. True, True. Now, our Blue Ridge Relay team has transitioned quite a bit from mm -hmm. 2019 to now, and how we run the how we run the race, or at least how we ran the race this year. That's but it was a, it was a two week period, and I said, you know, it's gonna be a pretty tough turnaround. But as I said, this was Grace's first attempt at a 12 hour, so I was gonna run it with her, and I figured even a little wrecked from Blue Ridge, if I've got two weeks, I can run this with her. So we got on the calendar, got excited about it. And then, you know, the summer rolls on. We probably, I think we signed up for this at the beginning of the summer. Well, two days before the race, I actually flew to California with my son to look at a couple of colleges mm -hmm. and um, flew back the night before the race. Um, and I ate awful food 
um, just trying to get to the airport and get back. And I probably got home around 12, 31 AM mm-hmm. and got a few hours of sleep. Melissa had told me, you know, Grace is really nervous. We'll see how she feels when she wakes up in the morning and she wakes up and she says, I'm not going. And she rolls back over and goes to sleep. And this is, you know, we it's an hour and a half drive there. Um, and you know, it was like five o'clock in the morning and I'm like, what? And, and I said, look, we signed up for this. You were excited about it. You know, I was trying to encourage her and she says, I'm not going. And she rolls over, closes her eyes and she just like buries her head in the, in the sheets. Well, I was like, all right, well, I am going, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go do this. Well, Melissa comes in and she basically tells Grace, um, we're going to take away everything we've ever given you. If you don't go out there and run one lap, <laughs> right. You're, you're going to lose everything, every privilege, everything. If you don't go run one lap mm-hmm. and grace, you know, in true high school teenager fashion says, fine, I'll go run one lap, mm-hmm. gets out of bed, doesn't put anything other than what she was sleeping in on grabs a pair of new balance Zantes, which are not an ultra shoe mm-hmm. and gets in the car, proceeds to go to sleep and sleep the whole way to the race. Mm-hmm. we get to the race i get out of the car she kind of like stirs a little bit so i'm gonna go get our numbers get signed up so i i go out there and meet john for the first time in person get everything come back to the car and i i put her number on the dash and i said i'm gonna go put my number on you know you can run your one lap whenever it's a, you know it's a it's a one mile loop ultra you can leave whenever you want and run your lap i said but i'm gonna go ahead and start getting ready mm-hmm. and i don't she doesn't even move and I get my number on and I did, I was maybe putting my shoes on or something. And I start walking back to the start of the race and I hear the door open and grace comes around the front of the car and she's like, fine. You know, she's like, let's, let's get this <laughs> over with. And we go over to the start and right, be- right before, like he says, okay, 30 seconds, you know, to start grace turns and looks at me and says, all right, what's our strategy for today? <laughs> good time and, good time to talk about strategy right and but she had transitioned to okay we're gonna do this right right and um that right there like the way we interacted with one another that had been building for a year and a lot of my ultra running stories actually tied to grace because mm-hmm. right this is how i got to really know her and how she really got to know me and this is something that we have in common and that's lasted for years um and so that was a really it was really good experience. I think we did, I think she did like 42 or 46 miles that year. And I continued and I got up to like 54 or 56 miles that year. Mm-hmm. Um, her favorite story from that year though, I, I mentioned that I had flown in at one a, or twelve thirty one AM. And then I had not been eating well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm running every lap with her and somewhere in the first 10 miles, I needed a porta potty just immediately and i looked at her and i said i'll meet you on the next lap and i took off and i ran as fast as i could around that little one mile loop to get to the porta potty and suffice to say i I didn't make it in time and she has yet to not bring that up in any story (laughs) where she's explaining to people how she got into ultra marathoning Um, I knew it was for me when I saw my dad crap himself. (laughs) Yeah, it was a, it was, it was, it was a, it was a bonding experience for the two of us. For sure. sure. That's how we got into it. And we got hooked 
it's it's the atmosphere of of a per, an ultra that has less than a hundred people. It's on mm-hmm. this guy's farm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's his whole family gets involved. It's like the community comes out. There's always like funny signs on the course. There's always some theme. Um, this year it was cattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like they had some people dressed up as cows out there, like mooing and doing all these, uh, cow puns with, mm-hmm. while you're running around. Um, he doesn't give a t-shirt. He gives pajama pants. Right. Right. And they're the best pajama pants ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really super, super soft and comfortable. Um, and then the awards are always pretty fantastic that he gives. Um, they're usually some sort of uh plate, um, mm-hmm. uh, like handmade uh, plates. And he also gives you a stamped dog tag and chain for the number of miles you did Mm. every year. Um, And, you know, so one of the, so, you know, one of the reasons like you're going to get to is eventually like, why do you continue to do this? Cause I mentioned it's two weeks after blue Ridge relay every year Mm -hmm. since it's been one week after blue Ridge relay. And that just sounds insane, but he hooked me this first race. Cause he's, I was wearing a blue Ridge relay shirt. Mm-hmm. When I went up to meet him and he said to me, Oh, you ran Blue Ridge Relay. I said, Yeah. He's like, Wow, we've got this new award just mm-hmm. for this year. And he, mm-hmm. I said, Well, what is that? And he goes, It's called the Double Dog Dare Award. Mm-hmm. He said, So we take your Blue Ridge miles, we add them to the miles you do today, and whoever has the most gets the award. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And there was probably five or six people that had run Blue Ridge. And when, right after he explained this to me, he said, okay, you know, who's run Blue Ridge and five or six people raise their hand. It's like, how many miles did you go? And someone's like, you know, 12, I'm like how many miles did you run? And someone's like, I ran 20. And mm-hmm. he looks at me, he's like, how many miles did you run? And I think I was like 38 or, you know, it was something. Right. <laughs> and everybody right. just kind of looked at me and John's like, I think you're going to be a contender this year. <laughs> <laughs> so right that's how it started. That was, that okay. was day one of Doggettville. Okay. And then, and you've done it. They can't, they probably canceled it in 2020, right? Yes. They canceled okay. it in 2020. So we, we did have the Blue Ridge Relay in 2020 under different rules. And, and it was very much a scaled down event, but then 2021, 2022, and then this year, 2023, did you do all three of those years? You know, I think I said that wrong. They did the event in 2020. They did not do the event and they did it in 2021. It was last year that they didn't do it. It was 2022. So we actually ran the event 19, 20, 21, 2022. They didn't do it. And then they brought it back this year. So I'm I'm sorry. I got that wrong. Why didn't they do it in 2022? I've asked John that question and he just hasn't responded. I I didn't. I asked him over email. He didn't respond. I, I I think there was something going on on the farm, or maybe, and they just couldn't gotcha. run it. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So 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 no event offered in 2022. But so correct. you've done it every year since then. Okay. Gotcha. That's very good. Um, and it's been like you said, it's been one week later every year since then. Have you won the Double Dog Dare Award each of those years? I am the reigning and only champion of the Double say, Dog Dare Award. That that would mean you were the only person ever to win that award. Um, and so it seems like a good segue into just that question then. So why why do they have a tie-in with the Blue Ridge Relay? Did, like, does he know Ken Savinsky, the director of the Blue Ridge Relay? Or was it just that he noticed that a lot of people were doubling back? Or or what what inspired him to actually create that category, do you think? I think it's two things. I think he he's really big into ultras and encouraging people to run ultras. He's very similar to Ken in that he's there for the runners, Mm -hmm. you know, 
And so, and he, like I said, he has three or four races that he does throughout the year with his lost runners crew. Um, I think it was a way to try to convince people to come to his race that had run Blue Ridge because there are so many people in North Carolina that go out and run uh, Blue Ridge Relay. Right. Um, so I think a bit of it was a play to say, hey, you can do this too, even though it's only two weeks after Blue Ridge and now it's only one week after Blue Ridge. <laughs> <laughs> I, got you. I, I don't know that that strategy has really worked out for him. Well, because but... you keep wrecking it. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you, you just go there and take the award. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah probably, I, I should probably stop doing that. I mean, this year it was so unfair. I showed up with more miles than I think anybody else ran. Right. That, that you, yeah, you, you showed up with like 50 miles or something like that this year. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, okay. But so. I think it was a, it was a marketing idea and he likes mm -hmm. doing anything to get people to the race. Now he doesn't want a 300 person start. He wants to keep it small, but he wants to encourage people who run ultras to come out there. Right. Gotcha. Very good. Well, okay. So that explanation actually in some ways answers the next thing that I had on my list to ask you. And that was like, why and when, and how did you decide to run this race this year? But it sounds as if there was never any question um, in some no. ways, like as soon as they announced, yeah, we're having it again in 2023. You're like, okay, cool. I'm signing up. And it, it, it almost is like, it's, it's become your standard epilogue to the Blue Ridge Relay. Right. Right. And I think each year the purpose has changed a little bit. The first year was, Hey, let's, let's do this thing and see if, you know, Grace likes it and I'm going to run with her. Mm -hmm. uh, the year after that, it was Grace wanted an opportunity to run a 12 hour by herself. Mm -hmm. Well, if she's going to run it, I'll run it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, the year after that, uh, I was destroyed. She was destroyed from something. I can't remember what it was. Neither one of us got much over 20 miles that year. She might've gotten like 12 or 13 miles and we bagged it and came home. That was 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it was, I was, it was just too short after Blue Ridge. I had a tough Blue Ridge and I couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And I think the, I think it was, there was some family and school stuff leading up to that. Mm. Also that week before we went out there, that was just, mm. it was just too much for us to handle. Mm. Um, but, but then, but then it's canceled in 2022. So erasing all of those memories of a rough 2021. <laughs> well, that, and you know, we, it's standard for our calendar. It's something that now Grace and I just do together. And now Melissa does it too. Right. Mm. I mean, so Melissa's come out there and, and this year was, it was Grace's birthday. I mean, mm. what, what, what better occasion, you know, what better thing to do for her birthday? You know, when she graduated high school, I took her to South Dakota. We ran Black Hills, mm -hmm. the Black Hills 100. So if it's going to be her birthday on the 16th of September, let's <laughs> run an ultra, right? right. Um, we had done that two years before for Melissa on her birthday. Mm -hmm. And so we said, let's, let's do this. So, you know, we kind of have these two races that we do together every year, Peyton's and Doggettville. Mm -hmm. And those are so fun. They epitomize the ultra running atmosphere that I want to be involved in and that Grace enjoys being involved in. And they're just kind of cool formats mm -hmm. and they're run by great race directors. Mm -hmm. um, so, mm -hmm. so yeah, there was never, and, and, a they're, and they're a nice, they're a nice size. Yeah. I mean, right. Right. They're not, they're not crazy big. And, you know, I think uh, John locked in Grace when one year his mom made pickles and she makes pickles every year, but the, the, in 2020, so I'm talking about. In, yeah, in 2021, she, uh, canned the pickles or jarred them 
mm-hmm. and she gave they gave them out as uh, post race uh, gifts. Cool. And so Grace was like, "Pickles, dang, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going back every year." <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, let's talk about then your build up to it this year because as we talked about in our Blue Ridge Relay um, uh, race report uh, last month. This was not a an obstacle free build up towards the Blue Ridge Relay and by extension the Doggettville Twelve Hour. Um, so so kind of recap that for us, um, kind of what you were dealing with in the the month or two leading up to to Blue Ridge and then Doggettville. Yeah, so I think it actually starts with Silver Rush, right? Mm-hmm. Silver Rush was kind of the target because we're shoot we we spent two weeks in Colorado, you know, Leadville, Colorado. We're gonna I'm gonna make this a target race of mine, but then I've got blue Ridge on the heels of that, you know, so basically all the work I did to get ready for silver rush was a precursor to, um, then kind of like, I'd call it tuning, um, to get ready for, for blue Ridge. Um, so, um, silver rush didn't go well, you know, that (laughs) I just, just go ahead and say that silver rush didn't go well. And then, um, but I, the nice thing about silver rush not going well is I didn't really bury myself. So I was able to jump back into training. Mm -hmm. The bad thing was I had uh, developed a, you know, another Achilles injury on my right Achilles. Now I think it's the Mm -hmm. same as my left Achilles, honestly. And my mileage didn't allow it to recover the way it should have. And then that started impacting my training for blue Ridge. Mm -hmm. Um, now, people people who listen to the podcast they've also heard about all the other stuff going on in blue ridge and to where not only was i not coming in super fit miles are getting added mm-hmm. <laughs> um so if you want to like what was my what did my build look like it looked like a lot of miles and then almost like no miles mm-hmm. and then i had some you know i had some personal struggles i would say with uh, with my family where i was doing some traveling and it made running difficult uh, it's just stress in general started taking over, not sleeping enough, not eating right. And then it kind of like, but I, I felt like, um, I felt like, uh, I was like a trapeze guy and my, I was just holding my fingertips. My fingertips were all that was left on the, on the bar, you know, mm-hmm. trying not to fall off. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I, I did the right thing. I backed off. I said, it's not, it's not so important that I need to bury myself. I definitely need my Achilles to be recovered. I need to figure out a way to get sleep. And one way to get sleep is to not run in the mornings, right? Just to Mm -hmm. take that off the plate. And so I started doing that and kind of damage controlled my way into Blue Ridge. Right. And, and I would say that this Blue Ridge for the number of miles I ran and the number of uh, feet I climbed and the fact that my last two legs essentially were six miles of back-to-back 200 to 500 feet per mile mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i that i did well i mm-hmm. I, I feel i felt like it was a successful blue ridge so it worked it worked mm-hmm. um one thing that never crossed my mind during blue ridge i refused to actually like while running think this was i'm running a 12 hour a week after this right and that's good because I, 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 because that because the real target is blue ridge you know we're there as a team i'm there for the team doggettville is fun but eh, i can i can still win the double dog dare and only run like 20 or 30 miles you know so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't see this but i'm smiling right now <laughs> <laughs> 
So. Okay. Um, and I think that's good, by the way. I think that's smart. Um, I mean, if you were sitting there thinking, oh, well, I need to hold back or or I got this other race coming up in only a week. And and how? I mean, I'm not just saying that as, as a person that was on the team with you, but I'm also saying that as just if you're if you are that far outside of the present moment i think that it would have just i think it would have really wrecked your overall blue ridge experience you know oh yeah um that's happened to me plenty of times in other races and what what i have learned to do and i actually got this from you in a conversation you had with uh one of our blue ridge um teammates brian hetherington it was it was a conversation about one of his it was actually, he was on the podcast and it was him talking about uh, finding the present. Mm-hmm. And basically you can't think about, you know, mile 26 of the marathon when you're on mile 50 of the bike, right? You, you need to be in the present. And right. I, I have learned even in training runs and especially during workouts, I dial it back. You can, you can say, well, what's looking too far forward or too far forward is the next race or too far forward is a week away or too far forward is tomorrow or too far forward could be the next mile of your yeah. workout. Yeah. So I, when I start losing focus, I dial it back to every step, every breath. Yeah. And, and I, I really like, and I call it finding the present. And mm-hmm. and I call it a gift, right? Mm-hmm. Just that play on words of finding the present. The present mm-hmm. is a gift and you need to like really focus narrowly, myopically when mm-hmm. you start thinking too far out. So that's I what totally I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Blue Ridge is the same way. You know, you're, you got a 4.7 mile climb, 200 feet of gain per mile. If you start thinking about mile four, when mm-hmm. you're in mile one, like mm-hmm. that's, you're not yeah. <laughs> one foot in front of the other. Agreed. So. Agreed. Totally agreed. Couldn't agree more as a matter of fact. Yeah. I, you know, as much as I, I don't much like Ryan Hall, the name of his book was run the mile you're in. Um, and I, and that's, it's a good catchy name. <laughs> uh, and I, th- I, th- I think he's right about that. Uh, the second time I'll I read did... a new book called finding the present because there it's you a go. gift and there you, go. you can, you can like that book. Thanks buddy. That, that would be good. That would give me a much better reference point. Um, the second time I did Kona, uh, my coach said, I only want you thinking about three seconds ahead. Um, and, and that was, that phrase has kind of always stuck with me that, that idea of, of, of course, staying in the present, but just st- staying three seconds ahead. Um, and I think that's like smart. That. Um, I, I really like that. Smart. Yeah. yeah, that is. Um, all right. So that being said, when then did you actually start thinking about Doggettville? Um, because you finished stage 31, of course, of of the Blue Ridge Relay, which is exceedingly difficult. It's one of the, the queen stages of that entire race. Then you did 35, which, like you said, goes up for two and a half miles, something like that, up a really that difficult climb. That was pure climb. hell. That, yeah, that was rough. pure hell. Yeah. Um, which is goes up that Ox Creek climb, for those of you who know Asheville, North Carolina, um, and then goes down the Blue Ridge Relay, and then you hand it off to me, um, and, and I ran the last flag, number 36. Um, at what point did you actually start thinking about Doggettville? Was it when you handed off to me to, so I could run 36? Was it when we were at Mellow Mushroom afterwards eating pizza? Was it the next day? When did you start shifting your mind over? Immediately after handing you off to 36. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I had allowed, it was, it, you know, the, the truth of it is, it's obviously in the back of my mind, but I kept it in the back of my mind until that point. And then I allowed myself to say, what do I need to do 
to get ready for Doggettville, and it has to start now. So I think once the once the race is over, the <laughs> then you have to start thinking, okay, what's my now thing to get myself in less than a week's time ready to run this twelve hour race? And so, what did because, you have to do in that week then? Well, so what I had to do immediately was get out of my soaking wet clothes, <laughs> which is fortunately something you probably want to do anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, and start and, and, and do all the basics, hydrate, fuel, sleep, and then take care of my muscles, right. And take care of my tendons and all that stuff. So, you know, that the rest of that weekend, you know, that we have a very funny picture that I, I don't know if you took it or Lee took it of you and me and I'm sleeping at Mellow Mushroom. Mm-hmm. I took so, it. It's a, it's a selfie of me and Lee and you. Okay. And, <laughs> yeah. Cause Lee was sitting next to me. That's right. So if you think about what I was doing at Mellow Mushroom is I was hydrating, I was fueling and I was sleeping. I was resting. Right. <laughs> I couldn't, I could not do, I couldn't roll out or put the boots on or anything like that, but that's what I was doing, you know, and, and well, boots two definition of the boots, you know, like, um, the, the cowboy boots, I did put my cowboy boots on to get the pressure off of my Achilles. That's, that's a real thing. Um, and then once I got home, I just continued that get sleep, um, you know, sleep in as late as you can, um, do a quick morning routine and get to work or get work started at home. Uh, go to bed early. Uh, if you're sitting around watching TV, roll your calves, um, roll your quads, roll your hamstrings, roll your IT bands. That was, it was just a routine, you know, and, um, doing the boots, the, the Norma tech boots, lots of that, that mm-hmm. week, and then actively not running, or I think I might've rode once the week, but really just to be actively recovering, not mm-hmm. working out. They weren't workouts or, you know, I wasn't trying to get base mileage or anything. Right. I think the first run step I took was when the gun went off at Doggett Bill. Okay. Okay. So, so, but that's what it was. And I think the, the biggest, you know, the biggest, my biggest learning of this year was hydration and fueling are my biggest downfalls had been my biggest downfalls. So I was also, you know, trying to pre-store as much energy in my body and mm-hmm. i wasn't over hydrating because i think that's kind of dumb but i was planning on how i was going to handle that stuff for doggettville also mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so very that's good. what i did in that week very good very good and very little running like you said no running as a matter of fact no running um, yeah i did the, a lot the, of walking yeah the the image the image of you didn't run a step between handing off to me at, at stage 36 the end of stage 35 and then after the gun goes off at the dog, about, that's something about that feels like a powerful image, <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, a good, it's a good reminder. I mean, I'm, I'm 50 years old in December of this year. Yeah, so yeah. I have to be, we have to be very careful mm-hmm. and really listen to our bodies. And I've been mm-hmm. really working with, you know, Lee Ragsdale, friend of the podcast. I coach him. I've really been working with him on that because he's a lot older than we are. Oh yeah. So I, much older. <laughs> so, uh, but he's, he's grasped it. He's got it. And, you know, it's one of the hardest things for a coach to do sometimes is to do the smart things you're telling the people you're coaching to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to like learn from Lee, what I coached him to do now. Mm-hmm. So, right so on. very good. All right. So remind us of, or tell us about the format of the race itself. You already said it's, it's from seven to seven. It's on the farm there. Um, and then I think you said it's a one mile loop. Is that right? 
That's correct. It's a, it's a one mile loop and he's counting loops. The loops are roughly a mile. Mm -hmm. Um, Two watches will measure them differently. My, my watch measured it just short of a mile. Grace's uh, watch measured it just over a mile. Okay. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, it's, it's cool too um, because it is is a good paved. Is it grass? Right. That's what I was going to. So it, it starts off on gravel and then you run down a paved portion that's probably just under a, th- a third of the mile. Mm-hmm. And then you hit gravel again. And then it's like grass, dirt, pine straw, and then it's gravel mm-hmm. and then grass again to the start. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, I think it works out to be about a third gravel, a third paved and a third grass, dirt, pine straw. Mm-hmm. But there's a little, there's a little pond in the middle of it. There's, you know, these farmhouses. And then this year was the first year the cattle like came right up to the fence. Hmm. Um, and, and they were like mooing, looking at us as we went, as we went by. Wondering what the hell you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> They're talking to one another. This guy is still running. What's he doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but, that, but the nice thing is uh, at the start finish or at the, you know, the, the gate the counting point whatever john always he has a pavilion and he Mm -hmm. sets up all the food there for you um Mm -hmm. and you can set up your own stuff too and then along that road is where everybody parks so what we do is we'll open up the trunk of a car one of our cars and have Mm -hmm. all the stuff for each runner hanging out there and that sort of thing so Gotcha. Yeah, it's funny. So many ultra races, be they 12 hour races or 100 mile races or whatever happens to be. Well, my wife did a double Ironman way back in, in, in 2012. It was this way. But so many of them, you do multiple loops of a small loop. And that seems kind of mind numbing. But it's also kind of great because you get to check in with your crew so much, you know. Um, and so. So, yeah, I think we've talked about that before on this podcast. Are there hills on the loop? So there's hill is kind of a strong term. There's there's one real hill on the the last section of gravel. I don't even know if it really call it a hill, but it's, it, you know, in sense of Blue Ridge, it's a bump. Like we wouldn't even really notice it. Yeah. Um, but it definitely is is an up. And then as you when you come off, when you go down to the lake, it's kind of a downhill. And then you go through like this little pine forest where the pine needles are, it's a downhill. So it's kind of like a pretty flat loop. And then it has like a down up as you come back to the the start finish. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is it like curvy or is it, is it basically kind of like straightaways or are there like a lot of twists and turns or is it, is it just, is it pretty runnable, I guess? It's very runnable. It's very okay. runnable. Nothing's okay. narrow. Nothing's like the only section that's single track is that part that goes through the the pine forest, but mm-hmm. it's also fairly straight. Gotcha. So okay. it's extremely mm-hmm. runnable. Yeah, gotcha. it's it's a good one mile loop. You know, my experience with uh, looped courses, it's a good one mile loop. Very good, very good. Well, it's not bury the lead any more than we have already. So how much did <laughs> you end up running? <laughs> so I I finished uh, sixty laps. All right. Uh, and that's the most I've ever done. Wow. I think my my previous record was in 2020, and I think I had run 58. Hmm. So I added a couple, 57 or 58, and so I added a couple of miles, which I I probably could have pushed through and gotten one more in. Probably could have got 61. It would have been really really tight to get 62. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I I mentioned that Grace, Melissa, and I all like competed this year, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Melissa was really struggling the last time I passed her on my 59th lap, and you know I said, and we had time, we had like 20 something minutes to to 24 minutes, I think, and so I could have gotten two, maybe three laps in, and I made a decision. All right, you need to do one more lap you know, actually she said, I would like to do one more lap. And I said, okay, that's the goal. You're going to do one more lap. And she said, all right, well, I'll see you at the finish. I said, no, we're going to do this last lap together. Mm-hmm. And so I slowed down and basically worked with Melissa to get her through that last lap. And I'll tell you, Melissa was destroyed at the end. <laughs> I mean, it, it was everything she could do. But what's significant about that is, you know, so Melissa got 57 miles, I think I got 60 miles. So Grace, and this is, you know, looking at how we started back in 2019 and then now, Grace actually won the women's race with 62 miles. Good for her. So not only did she like win the women's race, she was only one mile behind, one or two miles behind the men's winner. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And she... Uh, she tied with uh, another lady for the winner of the, you know, the whole women's race. Awesome. So awesome. to see that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And and, uh, to, and her, she had friends that came there because it was her birthday and they all ran with her during the day. And her boyfriend came out for like the last quarter and ran with her. Mm-hmm. And um, the way it played out was kind of funny, but she thought that she had to actually cross the line before the lady that she knew she was on the same lap with. Right. So on the last lap, they were, they threw down some crazy, like sub eight minute mile or something. <laughs> and she came screaming and you can see her off in the distance. Cause Melissa and I were just sitting there at the start. You can see her off in the distance coming through and she's flying, killing herself to catch <laughs> this lady. And she crosses the line, like 10 seconds behind the lady, maybe five mm-hmm. seconds behind the lady or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Oh, I didn't do it. You know, I, I didn't get it. And the lady had decided, all right, I'm going to try to do one more lap. Mm. And Grace is like, forget that. There's no way you go win the race if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. And the lady did not end up finishing that lap. So okay. it didn't get counted. You have to actually finish the lap. Right. And the way the rules read, it's the number of laps you run, not when you finish them. Okay. So so when they did the award ceremony, they were co-winners of the race. And right. it, was, it was really cool. It was really cool to see that. So Very cool. Uh, I think another funny story, the, the guy who won the race, so his name is Scott and every year we see each other mm-hmm. and every year we're going after one another. Mm-hmm. Um, neither one of us have ever won the race. So this mm-hmm. is the first time Scott won the race, but uh, I was a good three miles ahead of Scott early in the race. And then, um, started getting my, my hamstrings started getting really tired. Um, and I started slowing down and Scott comes up to me and he says, you're still going. And I said, yeah, as long as my Achilles, you know, can handle, I'm going to keep moving. And he's like, somebody just told me that you ran 50 miles in the blue Ridge relay last weekend. Is that true? (laughs) I said, I said, yeah, he's like, this is going to be a hollow victory. (laughs) (laughs) To which you responded, a victory is a victory, Scott. (laughs) I said, a W is a W, Scott, a W is a W. And I said, if you stop, I'm going to beat you. (laughs) Don't think that I'm backing off. (laughs) Well, you had to have finished in the top four or five individuals then if you were only a couple of miles behind the winner, right? I think so. Scott was the winner. There was no one between the two of us. 
on the men's side and then it was grace and the lady who she she ran with oh, okay and then yeah. and then i was so i was fourth overall second for the males very good so, very good and of course the winner of the double dog dare once again so well good. not only myself but carrington who's a family friend of ours that came out and ran and she mm-hmm. ran in the blue ridge i think you yeah. met her on the course I, um, I i i passed her during the grandfather mountain stage yeah. that's right that's yeah. right that's she she had some words about what that felt like not you <laughs> passing her but the, the grandfather mountain stage she had some interesting words about that but she she actually picked up the double dog dare for the females oh good very cool very cool. And John upped his game this year. Well, he doesn't actually make the awards. Somebody else makes them for him, a family friend. And he never sees them until the day of the race. Hmm. So she brought them out and they were, they were um, handmade, you know, pottery plates of mm-hmm. a, in a sense, but they were clocks. Well, so cool. she had actually put a, put the hands and whatnot on the clock through it. And they're, they're pretty impressive. I've got it. I've got it in my office at work. So very cool. Yeah. I like unique awards, man. So that's very cool. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Um, all right. So, so you're describing that brings up two questions. Um, uh, the first one is talk to us a little about your routine um, because you mentioned, so let's say 60 miles. So, so you know, you did 60 laps, roughly 60 miles there. Um, and, and so that would be an average of about five miles an hour. Right. Um, and, and, but like looking at your splits on Strava, which gives, you know, tells me, tells me how fast you ran each one. You didn't just run 12 miles for or 12, 12 minutes for every single mile. Right. Um, and, yeah. and in part, I imagine that was because of mounting fatigue, but it was also because you, it's a race. So the, the clock runs, even if you're stopped and going over to the trunk of your car and pulling out a drink or eating pizza or whatever it happens to be. So talk to us a little bit about like what your routine was. Yeah. So this, I executed something this year that I've always talked about executing, but I, I've never done very well. And it's, I basically never stopped. Mm-hmm. I just kept going. Um, and I tried to establish a pace early on that given everything aligning, all the stars aligning, I could hold on and get close to 70 miles. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was, you know, the goal, primary goal. Mm -hmm. And that worked, I don't know, I'm looking at the stuff now, I I guess that that worked for about 50 K, you know, I, I, I got through a solid 50 K at that pace but that last those last two laps during that 50k i started feeling it yeah. but the the whole plan was no matter what don't stop and okay. if you have to if you feel like you have to stop power hike right just just power hike and see if you can recover power hiking mm-hmm. so um so that was part of the routine I, I the other part of the routine like to, to execute that what i would do is i had a 36 ounce, um, Nalgene bottle that I mixed my tailwind in. tailwind was my hydrating. Um, I ate a lot of stuff, but tailwind and you can were probably my two uh, go-tos. You can. And okay. yeah, uh, it's a slow race. You don't need fast, you know, mm-hmm. calories. Um, and you're getting fast calories from the tailwind. So, um, but I would, I put that at the front wheel of my car and every three to four, four laps, three to five laps, I would pick it up and I would drink, um, while I would start walking and I would just drink, drink, drink until I didn't feel like I needed to drink anymore. And then I would set it down wherever I was on the course. Okay. And then the next time around, I would pick it up, drink, drink, drink until I didn't need to drink anymore. And I would set it down and I would do that until the bottle was empty. And then I would 
pick up the empty bottle, carry it around, refill it, set it at the car, and then run my three to five miles before I started that routine again of picking it up, drinking it, picking up, Hmm. drinking every mile until it was empty. Hmm. And that was really effective. I, I never, that's, that's a, that's a neat idea. Actually, the idea of um, almost like a rolling, you gave yourself almost like a rolling aid station. Yeah, it was a rolling. It's exactly what it was. And there's probably a better way to execute that. There might be a smarter way to execute that, but that seemed to work for me. And uh, I never got dehydrated. It was much like uh, Blue Ridge where I felt like I had, that was a good plan that kept me sufficiently Mm -hmm. hydrated. I also, you know, I learned in Blue Ridge, just take your shirt off, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just take your shirt off. Cause I sweat too much. The shirt becomes worthless anyway, mm-hmm. just becomes dead weight. Um, and then every, I guess every, I think on the order, like every 45 minutes to an hour, I was eating something, mm-hmm. trying to eat something, uh, mm-hmm. primarily the UCANs Cause I could pick them up. I didn't carry a bunch of stuff with me. I just picked it up when I needed it mm-hmm. and then tried to eat it on that mile and then throw the trash away when I'm done and mm-hmm. just kept, re- kept rolling with that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did get to that 50 K point and I needed to start walking at first, I was walking kind of a more relaxed pace. Um, and I did recover. And I think, yeah, I keep saying, I think I've got my Strava stuff right here about mile 39. I was like running again mm-hmm. and I was back on pace. Right. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I've, I've picked it back up and, and I can start actually running again. And that lasted for about six miles. And then the wheels mm-hmm. came off again. Okay. <laughs> and I had, yeah, that, I can, I, I can see that. I can see that, that slower stretch between 31 and 40 basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And then, and that was, you know, I, I felt really good for the first three mm-hmm. and then I felt really bad for the next two miles, mm-hmm. two and a half miles. And I was like, all right. And mm-hmm. one thing you have to remember is that these miles you see aren't lined up with the loops. Right. So it is a little misleading. Right. I was, I was nailing my average, my average splits. I was right on. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was, but I was mm-hmm. nailing them. Like I was within five seconds every mm-hmm. lap. Okay. Um, And then after that, if you, if you look at my pace, it was kind of like, I had to give up on that 70 mile mm-hmm. goal mm-hmm. and I had to keep, I had to ratchet it back. But mm-hmm. as I did that, I realized I could get, I could still do a hundred K. Yeah. And you can see me speeding up, speeding up, speeding up. And I'm like, yeah. I, and I was, I was power hiking like a madman. And what was mm-hmm. rolling in the back of my head uh, the whole time was uh, Jim Wamsley's comment about UTMB. Mm-hmm the one of his one of his strategies or one of the things he said that got him through it was hiking fast mm-hmm. like you just got you have to hike fast you can't run mm-hmm. the whole thing but you have mm-hmm. to hike fast so i'm like mm-hmm. i'm just gonna hike fast mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> and, i mean like looking at your splits and like they said like you said they don't really line up with the with the laps there but right. but you know you have mile mile 43 and then to mile 44 you kind of start slowing down and then by by the by the by the time you get to mile 45 you clearly have said, okay, no, I I need to slow back down here. But then yeah. you have a couple of miles of transition, but then around like mile four, mile 50, basically, it's almost like you settled into a new normal. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's and like, it's like blowing it's, by people. Yeah. I'm blowing by people running. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like four minutes per mile slower than what you were, what your normal was at the beginning of the race. But, but you're, you're, you're consistently at this, 
now a slower pace. And so it's not like you're just, it's not like it's 16 minutes per mile, 17 minutes per mile, 21 minutes per mile, 23 minutes per mile, 27 minutes per mile. You know what I'm saying? It's right. it's like you, you, you kind of resettled in there around 13 to 14 minutes per mile and kind of stayed right in, in that zone. Um, That's what I was trying to do. And I, yeah. and I, what I was trying to do is I, I literally was saying, what's the limit? Mm-hmm. What can I get to and like stay on that limit? Mm-hmm. And so I was building up, building up, building up. And then I was, I found that like there were certain places where I could run. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought it was the downhills. And then I realized it wasn't, it was the uphills. So mm-hmm. on the uphills, I was jogging up the uphills. I could mm-hmm. not run the downhills. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to mention also like both of those periods where I slowed down, I was seriously limping. Mm-hmm. Uh, my right Achilles had said, you're, you need to stop. And mm-hmm. so I'm limping around the course until it would warm up again and then yeah. I could run again. Mm-hmm. And so the both times that I slowed down um, were, were not just being tired. It was also that right Achilles and it, it turned mm-hmm. into like the, like a shooting pain. It was no longer a dull achy pain. It turned into a shooting pain. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but I was able to, like, I kept, you know, all ultra marathoners will say this. If you keep moving, things will get better. Right. Or at least you'll establish a new like equilibrium. And that's mm-hmm. what I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching people, you know, fall out of the race. You know, the guy that was behind me fell out of the race. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. now it's just me and Scott, you know, mm-hmm. And Scott's passing me <laughs> like, okay, I'm not catching Scott. <laughs> I, well, um, I, I, but I, I think that's a different way of thinking about an ultra race. Um, and I think it's important, like ra- rather than like you go into the red and you begin this downward spiral, you know, yeah. like, like, okay, so you declined, but then you found what the new, you used the word equilibrium just a minute ago. Like you found the new equilibrium you sort of find the new level and it's like, okay, well, this is now where I am. And so this is what I'm going to try and maintain, right? Rather than just like throwing up your hand and being like, oh, well, I'm screwed now. And just like letting the wheels fall off and just, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's- And I would um, say that that's what I've done previously. And I think that's I'm going to run smart. this pace until I can't run anymore. And then, and then I'm going to but, but then you're going to find what's possible. Right. And so so, so with, with, with this approach, you're going to run this space until you can't anymore, but then, okay, now we're going to find the pace that's sustainable now. Yeah. And, and we're going to run that for as long as we can. And it may, maybe if this was a 15 hour race, then it would have been like, okay, well now we can't run this space anymore. So we're going to find this other thing and we're going to push to run this for this pace as long as we possibly can, right. as opposed to just like throwing up your hands and being like, oh, well, forget it. And just beginning this, this steady downward spiral into awfulness, you know? Yeah. Um, I like that actually. I, I think that's cool. I think it's a good mindset and I think it's a good, good, uh, framework, uh, for sure. It, it aligns with what we talked about earlier of being in the present mm-hmm. because it keeps you from, it, it, it keeps you focused on like what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And okay. It's things aren't going the way I wanted them to, but now if I look at right now, what can I do right now? Don't think about, okay, I want to go 10 miles. Okay. Right now, if I add a little bit, that doesn't feel too bad. Right. Mm-hmm. If I add a little bit, that doesn't feel too bad. If I add, Oh, that doesn't feel good. So, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's my equilibrium. I'm going to yeah. hang out right here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's cool too, because in some ways that's, a, that's a mindset that I can relate to, even though I'm, I don't consider myself an ultra runner. Um, because as, as somebody who races shorter distances, 
you know, you're always trying to, to push to run as fast as you can. And I think that the, the, the knock that people who run marathons or less have on ultra is that y'all aren't running very fast and you're not really trying to, to get it up. But essentially what you're describing is that you are right. You're still running as fast as you can. Um, racing and, as fast as we can. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah, racing as fast. And, and, and I, and I, I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for that. I think that's cool. Well, um, and I would challenge this. So post race, this has been the hardest recovery period for me ever. Um, and well, that was one thing granted, I was going to ask you about. <laughs> yeah. Well, well granted, you talk about how much your Achilles is barley beforehand and then yeah. during. So yeah, I definitely wanted to ask yeah, you about so, post race. So, and we, so this is my beautiful segue. Um, <laughs> um, if, if you were to ask a marathoner to go out and power hike a 14 minute mile, I think they'd be surprised at how hard that is. And then you were to say, I want you to do that for 31 miles. They're not going to make 31 miles likely. Right. And they're certainly not going to do it after running 31 miles. Like that's just not there. And they're, they, they get bored. They would quit that this isn't really racing or it's just physically hard. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that we've it's talked about. It's a type of discomfort that I don't like. Exactly. Uh, yeah. We've talked about this in the past of when we're doing the mountain mist, like, understanding that running is different than hiking Mm -hmm. is, is a big deal. So after mountain mist, I actually instituted some things that got me doing more like hiking type stuff. So that, and, and and then there was also like the strength work that played into that, but this is the first time I've ever power hiked close to 30 miles. Mm -hmm. Like there, it wasn't quite, it was more like, it's probably like a marathon. I probably power hiked a marathon Mm -hmm. and I think that that right there t- puts a lot bigger strain on your hamstrings, hmm. at least me, my, my, my biomechanics than running does. Mm-hmm. And because of that, my recovery has been extremely slow. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm at the end of week three. So today's Saturday, the 7th of October, I'm the end of week three. And I, I just ran seven or so miles and I was running at, you know, eight twenty pace and it, it doesn't feel good. It still just does not feel good. And I'm, I've only, I think this is my fourth run, maybe my third or fourth run since finishing Doggettville. Mm-hmm. Got a few bikes in there too, mm-hmm. but it's not like I'm trying to re- get back into it too quickly. Mm-hmm. It's just hard. Like mm-hmm. my energy level is low. Um, and the, my, my hamstrings are hurting my Achilles still, they're not quite there. They feel pretty mm-hmm. good right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's been hard. And you're still doing all the stuff like, like rolling your calves and, and using no, the Norma Tech No, I've kind of sucked at all that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, it's, and there's, there's a lot going on. Like it, it, there's always a lot going on in my family, but like it's, this last three weeks have been, there's been a lot going on, you know, um, older parents, um, baby adults, Mm-hmm. semester starting for for two of the kids it's soccer season getting down there to see Vizumzi play mm-hmm. and then uh, we've just we've just had a lot of stress in our lives and I don't think that's helped certainly it hasn't helped us get sleep and you mm-hmm. know that you know I talked about you know basically the four tenets for me of post-race recovery are you need to hydrate you need to fuel you need to rest and you need to do the proper recovery routine of rolling and the boots and active recovery 
that's the one I really failed on. Mm-hmm. But the sleep has been probably the minimum, you know, it's been a high, it's been high stress. So mm-hmm. that's played into it. But this is the first time ever that I've gotten like this far after a race and I'm not running again. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll say, um, you know, I made that joke about Grace was always, like right after the Blue Ridge Relay, the Sunday after Blue Ridge Relay, she'd be like, mm-hmm. let's go for a run. Mm-hmm. And I remember how bad I felt on those runs, mm-hmm. but I still felt better than I do now. Mm. I said, you know, it hurt, but it wasn't like you shouldn't be running. My body's telling me right now, you should not be running. Mm-hmm. And so. Probably need to listen to your body, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, Brett, um, friend of the podcast, Brett, um, I don't know if we call him front of the podcast. He listens to one out of like every 20 or 30. Well, he's never been on the podcast, so we can't call him front of the podcast just oh, yet. Okay. But but Blue Ridge Relay teammate, we can call him that. <laughs> the Ridge Relay teammate, Brett. He said, he basically said what you just said. He said, you should probably listen to your body, slow down, take your time to recover, and then get back into it when you feel like it. Because I think I had told him, I don't even feel like running. I feel like mm-hmm. I should run, like I need mm-hmm. to run. It's part of my routine, but I don't even want to run. I'm just like mm-hmm. putting my shoes on and going out the door and saying, eh, you know, I don't really want to do this. Mm-hmm. And he said, you should probably listen to your body and just take the rest you need. And, I, and I, I responded to him, that is the best advice I need. That is excellent advice. And I am mm-hmm. most certainly going to ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> That's on brand. And, <laughs> yeah. And he responds because we're stupid, right? You know, it's, it's, it's a stupid That's on thing. Brand. Very good. Um, um, all right. Two more questions. Um, the first one, um, and, and correct me if, if the predicate of this question is wrong. Um, can you define predicate? Yes. Like, like if this question is based on something that is incorrect, I want you to tell okay. me. Um, okay. And so I was picking so, up that by context, but thank uh, you. there you go. Um, and so it seems as if you exceeded your expectations. Um, I, I, if you would have asked me what I thought you were going to run, I would not have said, oh yeah, he's going to have actually the most miles at Doggettville that he's ever had before. Like I would not have thought that. Um, and I wouldn't have thought that not necessarily because I saw you uh, struggling in the back half of the, the Blue Ridge Relay, but also just knowing that you had a compromise bill because your Achilles were bothering you and everything else like that, um, as we've already talked about. Um, but yet you ran more miles at Doggettville than you ever had before. That feels like an, an exceeding of expectations, which is great. Congratulations. I mean, that's, re- that's a really good thing. Um, what do you attribute that to? Oh, I get it now. The predicate was you're assuming I exceeded my expectations. Yes. <laughs> okay. You didn't you didn't want to know if I was exceeding my expectations. Right. So 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 I, if you wanted to say like, oh no, I didn't exceed my expectations, I did exactly what I thought no, I was no, no. gonna do. Um, um I I exceeded my expectations because given the build to Blue Ridge, I didn't even know if I was gonna show up mm-hmm. on the starting line to compete. I may have showed up to the starting line because it's Grace's birthday, done a done a few miles. And then just cheered her on like that. That was a real, real possibility. So yes, I, I exceeded my expectations in the sense of it could have gone really poorly. I'm kind of an internal optimist though. You know, I showed up and said, I could probably run 70 miles. (laughs) I actually, I actually thought I could do that. And, and, and I, and I, so, and I went, I, I actually went out trying to accomplish that. So, but I would say that what what enabled me to do that was the the plan I set in place to get ready for Silver Rush 50. Mm. It was lots of miles, slow miles, 
low heart rate, a few workouts here and there, um, focusing on strength, focusing on the, the bone, ligament, tendon, uh, muscle, um, fatigue defense that you get from doing real strength work, uh, focusing on upper body, not strength, but, um, support. You know, you mentioned after Berlin, your upper body was tired. Like, um, and what I've learned is that when you, and you can see this in runners and it's so sad that like, I'm just now learning it, but runners that don't have a good, strong core as the race goes on, they start to fold. Mm -hmm. You know, they start their, 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 their shoulders roll forward, their head comes down. And, and with me, sometimes my head like cocks to the side a little bit. And you see that in runners all the time. Mm -hmm. So I focused a lot on core strength because if you keep yourself upright, you can keep your lungs operating properly. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't get all these weird biomechanics going on. So I I was really diligent about all that building up to silver Rush 50. And then it carried forward in my build to blue Ridge, which was a little compromised, but I think that different mindset and adding in the hydration and fueling, uh, that's what got me there. Mm. And, and what it tells me is that given not running Blue Ridge, I can run 75 miles at, mm. in a 12-hour race like that. I, mm. I, could, I could really kill it mm. um, if I'm smart about the routine and I and, and the routine is everything. It's the build routine. It's the recovery routine. It's the routine in the moment. It's, it's literally being in the moment. Uh, you know, finding the present. I think I could do 75 miles at, at Doggettville. Mm-hmm. Very, good, um, very good. So we'll see. Very yeah, good, we'll see. If good. I get a two week break one time, that would be really nice. <laughs> you know, they they have a um, they have a, an award that they do at Doggettville, and they have another award, right? Mm-hmm. And basically, if you've run 200 miles, you get That's a cool. gold dog tag. Okay. So you get your silver dog tag for the race, and then you get a gold dog tag. Mm-hmm. And I went up to John and what Grace thought it was, if you've run the race four times, mm. you get a gold dog tag. So I don't know, Hey John, you know, this is our fourth race. So Grace and I should get gold dog tags. And he says, no, no, no. You have to add up the 200 miles. I was like, Oh, mm. he's like, how many miles did you do? We, we added them up. I had 196 miles. Right, I was going to say, you gotta be close. Yeah. <laughs> because I had that one year where the wheels came off and yeah. I only ran like 22 or 24 miles. And I was like, yeah. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> so you got to do it again, man. I know that yeah. feeling. So very good. I'm only going to run four miles. I get a gold dog tag. There you go. Knock it out next year. Something to look forward to. <laughs> um, 75 or four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, and All of right, course, the last question, questions. last question is, is what shoes you do you wear? Uh, yes. Thank you for asking. So I actually brought, um, I brought three pairs of shoes. I won't talk about the other two, but I wore my, um, endorphin edge, um, shoes, okay. not my new pair. They still haven't actually been worn. Hmm. Not the pair I wore for mountain mist because hmm. they're the ones that blew up during silver rush 50. Right. I wore the original pair I purchased that are actually a size 12. Um, and so they don't fit as well. They're about a half a size too big and they had a, they had a minor defect. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I don't care if I run on the road with these, mm-hmm. cause there's that one third of right. the race that's on the road. So essentially I rode, I ran 20 miles on the road in that shoe. Mm-hmm. I did not change my shoes or socks once. I didn't change anything but my shirt during the whole race. Right. And I think, you know, you, I, I left that piece out. I think another 
significant change to my build and my racing was plated shoes. Mm -hmm. I think they save your legs. I think the shock absorption of that carbon plate and the foam saves your legs and allows you to run farther. Mm -hmm. For sure. Farther, faster. Um, And, and yeah, I I mean, folks all agree to that, right. But, but you're applying it to, to the ultra level, um, which I think is, is unique and, and also gripping as well. That's not the pair of shoes I expect you to say. I actually didn't know what shoes you wore, even though I'm looking at your Strava here and I'm sure it says it on there. Um, But I didn't, I didn't realize that you had worn those shoes. Um, You have thought. So interesting choice, man. Um, what would you have I, thought? I would have thought you would have worn those New Balances that you really like, um, the ones that you wore in the the other. Delirium. So it was yeah, the twenty four hour delirium, delirium and 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 you wore them a few times during the the um, Blue Ridge Blue Relay Ridge. as well. Yeah. Um, so I have a I have a pair of those. I have a new pair because the old pair I think partially my Achilles issue is because I you should not run in a pair of shoes. It's, it's just like public service announcement to everybody. Once your shoes hit 600 miles, throw them <laughs> away. Just throw them away. So don't try to push them. Don't get all excited. It's like, oh, I could go 700. Um, part of my Achilles issues is definitely a trivial. But I have a new pair of those, George. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, I felt like the reason why my delirium got cut short, my delirium, <laughs> the, the 24-hour <laughs> race called delirium yeah. got cut short was the way those shoes are designed, it's basically like two pontoons on the bottom of each shoe. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a whole lot of, if the ground's uneven, mm-hmm. stability there. And okay. I, I feel like it took a lot out of my hips wearing okay. those. So I did not wear them on this because of the two thirds that is, it is, it's not a flat surface. It's not this perfect surface. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't want to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So, so I wore the endorphin edge and I, I love that shoe. That shoe's phenomenal. Yeah, I do too. I think it's a great shoe. I think you made, I mean, you, and you clearly made the right choice, right? Yeah, um, so, so very good. Very good. Well, my friend, Eric Hall, my co-host, Eric Hall, the once again and only ever winner of the double dog award, uh, the double dog dare award at the Doggettville 12 hour. Uh, congratulations on your performance, man. And uh, thanks for sharing with us your race report. And if anybody out there wants to come and challenge you know, my 108, oh, <laughs> 108 total miles. That's, that's 108 miles over a 36, essentially a 36 hour period of racing. Um, bring it on. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, George. Always fun. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, on Instagram at most pleasant exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at ITL Coaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them on Instagram at ITL Coaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at Elemental Altitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Elemental Altitude. 
Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at highechelonsepa.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.